0: It is good to be here with you today, and good to be in the house of the Lord. It's been quite some time since I've been with some of you. I know seeing some faces that are familiar, uh, I have uh, been here now more than a couple of years ago, uh, back when Brother Bob was still uh, pastoring here, and so thankful for many of you and your faithfulness uh, to the Lord. Uh, In that time, I transitioned from pastoring uh, over at a church in West Point to uh, taking on uh, the Mississippi Baptist Children's Home in Laurel, Mississippi. And so in light of giving a, a brief report as I can, we have had a lot go on in the past two and a half years um, in learning and working through and uh, trying to figure out how that ministry works because there's not really a manual for it. Uh, you don't go to seminary to learn how to run a children's home. Uh, there's not really a college degree for such a thing um but uh, there obviously is a beautiful picture in our heavenly father and what we are to do in loving children with Christ uh, and being there for them in their times of need and that's what we try to do it's just figuring out the ins and outs of how to go about it uh sometimes are, are quite difficult when we got there uh back in January of 2019 now we walked into one young lady who was about to get ready to graduate high school uh, which was a blessing. It gave us time to really work on some ins and outs of logistics, and the retiring directors were able to kind of uh, ease us in. That made things a little simpler there, but that first year was long and, and difficult, and uh, much of that time we prayed for, Lord, give us, give us some children headaches uh, instead of business and logistical headaches. Uh, and through that, the Lord answered, and we were grateful for that. And so over the past year and a half, uh, we have helped 15 children. And uh, not all at the same time. Uh, I think 11 is the most we've housed in the home all at once. Uh, but some of those were for uh, a day. Some were for a couple of months. Some for that entire year and a half. Uh, and, and so it's been a blessing uh, to see that, that the Lord answering prayers and giving us opportunity to be his hands and feet in the lives of those children. Uh, Right now, we have uh, six when we all sit down at the table together. And I say it that way because we go from college down to elementary school, so we don't always all sit down at the table at the same time. Uh, Between schoolwork and uh, some of our kids getting old enough to actually get out and get jobs, uh, we're not always at the same place at the same time. Uh, but uh, we're we're thankful to see this, and it it was it, it's been a it's been a tough spring as well in this last few months because you you see kids come and then uh, from time to time you have to say goodbye, and it's tough to watch children go that you've poured love into uh, for many many months, and, and so uh, pray for us. Pray for my wife and I as as we continue to try to uh, do our best uh, to take opportunity to love the fatherless and the poor and the needy that the Lord sends our way. Um, we do. I, I, I I'm not good at doing this part, but we we do. We just like every other ministry in the world, we need money, uh, but we also we need we need people. Uh, my wife and I can only do so much, and we. We learned while we had eleven in the house at once, um, that's about as much as we could handle, and uh, by ourselves. And we were thankful to have some church members from time to time, just like, hey, why don't you drop the kids off with us for a little while, and y'all go, you know, go get some supper or go get a lunch together or something. That was a blessing. Um, but for long term, for long term ability of sustainability and ministry, and and things of that nature, we need to pray for us that. Uh, some couple, starting with one, uh, but hopefully many as the years go by, uh, that a couple would, would feel the call to step into this ministry. And I do believe it's a calling. Uh, it took me a while to figure that out. You know, it, it, it was a very difficult time for me letting go of pastoral ministry and to step into this role. Um, I've been very thankful to our home church, First Baptist Shady Grove, for giving me opportunity to still feel a little bit of that pastoral ministry here and there uh, at times. I'm thankful for that, uh, that the Lord showed me, hey, I can do it there too, um, uh, but just in a different way. And, and so pray for us in that. Pray that uh, we'll continue uh, to to be patient, kind, and loving, and, and have uh, the rest and concentration and resolve needed to continue to minister to these children, and that the Lord continue to open doors both... Uh, with those to come alongside of us and minister so that we can actually minister to more children and because we've seen uh we we can't minister to more children without more help and we can't get we can't hire more help without more payroll uh to staff those people and so uh, it is always a, a delicate balance of figuring out when and where uh we we can do what we can do um I could sit here and talk to you for another couple of days about just like a, a parent talking about his children, okay? Um, but that's not the only reason I came this morning. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Psalm 37. I saw on your announcements y'all are in the Psalms on Wednesday night, so I don't know if y'all have been through 37 yet or just now or haven't gotten to it. Either I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix what Brother Kelby messed up or, or he's going to come back and fix what I mess up. Uh, So, uh, no, I I, I joke and I jest. I love picking at Kelby. Uh, For those of you, I'll I'll take it easy on him, but we've known each other since we were kids. Uh, We graduated high school together, and uh, since he's not here to defend himself, I won't tell too many stories uh, of of his exploits um, because he'll get to tell you a lot more stories of mine when he returns, so I'll I'll take it easy on him there. Um, But we will be in Psalm 37 this morning, and we're going to look at... The whole chapter, but really just through verse uh, eleven. I think the first eleven verses really give us the theme and the entirety of what the whole psalm is. You just see some repetition uh, as you go through, like many of the psalms, right? That are written as a song. You see a repetition of the theme, and so we're going to look there. But as we do, we look at this this psalm. It's known as a wisdom psalm. Uh, Some scholars uh, really kind of. Uh, ...struggled and debated whether even to put it in the Proverbs instead of in the Psalms. Uh, but as they looked at the author and David and, and and the things that he was doing... ...they they decided to stick it with the Psalms or continue to keep it with the Psalms and not move it. And I appreciate that. Uh, but in that we see because of how he writes and his style it just fit here better. And also that while we don't know the exact date and time and the exact circumstances... Of why he wrote it, we do see in the context of what he writes his reasoning behind what the Spirit was doing in leading him to write this psalm. Uh, He's later in life writing a psalm of encouragement, most likely to directly to Solomon, and then also by extension the Israelites as a nation, and ultimately all believers throughout time. Uh, So as as we see this, let's look at the first 11 verses of Psalm 37. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way." Because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass, cease from anger and forsake wrath, do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place." But it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Well, we thank you as it is a holiday weekend that we could come together as so many are memorializing those who have given their life. For our freedoms in this country. But I thank you all the more for the life that was given to grant us eternal life. We're thankful for those things. Lord, I pray that you would be with your words today, that you would use them to speak into the hearts and the minds of your people, that you would bring about conviction, that you would bring about peace and comfort. Lord, that you would bring about repentance. And ultimately, you would bring about faith in yourself, and all those that would hear your word would find the proper place for those things today. Lord, I pray that I would be faithful to your word, and I would speak it and not my own. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know. I grew up watching a lot of movies. I did. I love movies. I, as I get older, I enjoy books a lot more. Uh, I do. But either way, I, I just, I really, what I've found is I enjoy stories. I enjoy good stories. Uh, I think there is something inherent in us, uh, in our God-given natures, and our image-bearing of God, that must be wrapped up in that. Because God has given us His story as a way of communicating His love for us, and a way of communicating eternity to us, and a way of communicating His nature to us. And I don't think it's coincidence that He is both a communicator of the grand story, and yet we would still have desires in us to enjoy stories. Enjoy events that happen and unfold. But as I look at that, growing up, uh, many of you know that stories are really the same as far as the themes. right? We have characters that are introduced. And then as we have these characters that are introduced, we're given what goes on in their life so that we would actually care about them to a certain degree. And we are given that so that when we care about them, we hear conflict that arises in their story so that we're worried and we care about the conflict that arises because ultimately then we see the resolution where we find the unhappily ever after, right? That's the typical theme of every story ever told. Those things have changed some in my lifetime specifically. Writers have begun to feel like, well, you know what, That's, the stories have been told that way for so long, let's change that up. So they like to write things a little differently. They, they like to leave things either in the midst of conflict and just end the story. Or sometimes, what nowadays, the bad guy wins. Right? We even see that in storytelling. Growing up when I was a kid, that didn't happen. That was not part of storytelling. And yet now we see this shift because, like, well, let's tell this story differently. Let's tell it a different way. This is the beauty of the Bible. The Bible is not a mystery book waiting to be unraveled. We have the story. We have the story of God being unfolded all the way to the end, to the happily ever after. Uh, Whether it's we have God's creation, we have conflict of sin, and ultimately we have the resolution in Christ happily ever after for those who believe for those who have faith in Christ I've heard it told this way uh, a neat way of of looking at stories that it's it's a story of a princess being kidnapped and rescued by a prince from by slaying the dragon and that's the story of Christ uh, coming for his bride and it, it is this beautiful picture in this story I say this to say that as we look at Psalm 11 I believe this is David's message of, hey, you know the story. You know the end before we get there. Trust it. Trust it. And as I I looked at this psalm and and read through and studied, it it was was something that I feel like a lot of people need to hear nowadays. Doesn't it feel like people are kind of Getting a bit chaotic. Struggling through all the ups and downs and the turmoils of our society. You know, we, we picked a lot about our American society uh, in church a good bit over the past 10, 20 years uh, because that has shifted a lot. But ultimately, it, it, it is. It's, it's a global issue that we see now. We're more global in our understanding of how much chaos is going on everywhere. Of all these other uncertainties that we face, right? And we we are, we're places, do I wear a mask? Do I take a shot? Do we do this when we're going here? Do we do this when we're going there? What's going to happen with this set of laws or that set of laws or this set of governments or this set of, are we going to have a job? It used to be if you were a hard worker and did a good job, you had a job and you could keep a job. But what has the past year taught us? That is not where our faith lies. That is not where we put our trust. Yet for so many, for so long, that was how we lived. Well, all I got to do is be a hard worker and it'll all work out. I'll be okay. That was a lot of hard workers went through a lot of hard times this past year, hadn't they? we have all the, we feel like there's so much uncertainty and yet god through david so many centuries ago wrote to us to tell us fret not fret not the wicked will be cut off and the righteous are preserved that's it That's the sermon in a sentence. If you take notes, if you write things down, if you take something home with you today, fret not, the wicked will be cut off and the righteous will be preserved. Why? Because God has told us that is how the story goes. This is how this all unfolds. This is how the conflict comes to a resolution. Now, as we see this fret not statement, it's it's repeated several times here in this first section especially. But we hear it over and over again, fret not, fret not, fret not. I know we don't probably use that term too much. I remember growing up though, that was used a good bit. What are you fretting about? I don't know if any of y'all had mother, grandmother use that, that phrase. My mama gave me that one a time or two. Because I was a fretter. I don't know how that, I don't think that's a proper term, but. That's that's what I did. I still am. I still am. I'm just. If if, my wife and I joke about that, I'm sorry they're not with us today. We've had a lot going on this week, but uh, uh, they stayed home, and it turns out it was a good thing. Uh, One of our sons got sick this morning, uh, so I was glad it wasn't up here. Uh, But um, but it's it's so easy to look at us and go, I'm the fretter, right? I'm the worrier. I'm the one who gets concerned about things. And she's Miss Happy-Go-Lucky. Just, you know, some people are going to say the positive and the negative. I like to use the term realist. That's what I am. I, I like to look things, I'm like, dear, I love your encouragement. I do. We, I, we've had more fights over her being encouraging and me going, that didn't help. <laughs> it's like, you just say it. It's going to be all right. I'm like, that didn't help. I mean, I, I love you, and I'm so glad you can be positive in this moment. But what did that actually do, right? How many of you get told, don't worry, and you don't worry? Oh, okay. My bad, I forgot. I'm so glad y'all told me don't worry. Whew. Ah, That's off my plate now. I'm good. We're good. It doesn't work that way, does it? But not only does this thing about worrying get contained here and, and looked at here, we need to understand something about this phrasing. It's more than just worry. Ninety-one times in the Old Testament this phrase is used. And the only place that's used the word fret, or in other words, kind of implying worry, is right here. These four times it's used here. You know what else? Everywhere else. Every single other time in the Old Testament this phrasing is actually used to mean do not burn or be kindled with anger. Now, take the same example and apply it there. Don't get mad. You ever had a kid come up to you and say, Now, now, now Daddy, don't get mad. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> It's not the way to start the statement, right? That's not, it just doesn't do anything for you. It's like, you're, you're asking me to yell at you. That's what you're asking me to do. I think that's really what you're, you're, you're wanting to happen right now. Uh, just tell me what's going on. Let me be the judge of what needs to be applied here and how I need to handle it, all right? Well, what we do is we go through things and we, we try to kind of reason to, to different conclusions based on whatever's happening in our lives. And, and we know, we hear from Matthew, we can think to that, that, that statement that Jesus says, well, what, what's worrying going to do to the inch of your stature, right? It's not going to change anything. Well, the same thing, what's, what's our anger going to do? What's all we need to see that he doesn't just say fret not here. There's reasoning. There's biblical ammo to combat our worry and our anger and our anxiety and our frustration. God never... I haven't found it. I can't recall it in my mind, so I don't want to misspeak, but I'm pretty sure I don't remember a place God just goes because I said so. Now, there's plenty of times I have to go because God said so. There's plenty of times I've had to share that with people. Because God said so. That's right. But he doesn't tell us because I said so. He goes on in his word to explain why. Why? We shouldn't deal with these things. And David, going on to talk to Solomon or the Israelites, he explains to them why we're not to be so consumed in worry or anger being kindled within us when we look around and see the evils of this world seemingly taking root everywhere around us. He gives us these examples. He gives us these understandings. We see again in in verse 1 that first of all, we're not to be angry against the wicked because it's born from envy. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. This is telling of our own hearts. He said, the reason you're worrying, the reason your anger comes up sometimes is because so-and-so over there is doing something you want to be doing. But you know you're a good enough Christian and you shouldn't be doing that. You know better because Mama raised you right or Daddy taught you from the Bible or God has put it on your soul that I shouldn't be doing that. But then you get angry because somebody else is getting to do it. How many times have you, everybody has their own things that they have that that gets under their skin or whatever, but how many times especially any of of you teenagers, young folks that are here today, or if you can think back to those days, when you're riding down the highway out there on that four lane and you're going along, and maybe you're going the speed limit, maybe even going a few miles an hour over the speed limit, but you feel comfortable you're doing it right, right? Riding down the road and somebody just goes flying by you What's your thought? Well, if they can go that fast, I can go that fast. And you speed right up. Like, a cops going to see them first. They're going to get a ticket. I'm going to keep some space between me and them. That's exactly what I thought as a teenage boy. I was like, man, I, I would think through those things. I'm, like, I'm just going to get where I'm going quicker. And I ain't going to have to worry about getting a ticket. Right? So I just, be, If I'm the only one that's ever thought of that, y'all are lying to yourselves. That's what's that, <laughs> happening. But that's what we do, right? We see other people doing something, and we go, hmm, I should be able to do that. All the time. How many, how many times do we see children do that? Well, well my brother, so-and-so, well, I saw them. Do- Why did you think you could do that? Well, because I saw something. Well, now both of you is in trouble. We see something, and we get envious of going, I, I, I want some of that. The wicked seem to be prospering, so I want to do that. Why can't I have some of those things here and now? And we have to remind ourselves, I I can't remember who this quote is from, but uh, it's been used a lot, so I think it's kind of been passed around through people. But it's that understanding that, listen, believers... Sinners lost and going to hell, this is the only heaven they'll ever experience. And believers, this is the only hell we'll ever experience. We're going at it from two different perspectives. We don't need to be looking at what they're getting now. We need to remind ourselves of what we have coming later. I mean, It's the junk food mentality of our society, isn't it? I want to pull up. And I don't don't want there to be a line at McDonald's. I want to be able to give them my order. I want to be able to pull around, hand them my money, and pull up to the next window and get my food and leave. And literally for it to happen about as fast as I just said it. That's what we want. Because we feel like we deserve the things that we want now. When man, if you've ever sat in a nice restaurant, or we got Memorial Day coming up. Memorial Day is not the same we got a lot of grilling that can happen pretty quick. But, man, you get to Thanksgiving, Christmas. I always hated that dreaded, oh, we're going to have a late lunch. Man. Like get lunch at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon so Mama didn't have to cook anymore, right? And and she didn't have to get up before dawn to get everything ready by 12. They gave everybody a chance to sleep in except for her. And, and, and it gave everybody a chance to kind of just kind of laze around and, and not have to, because why? She's cooking all this food. And it just takes time to get that quality. That kind of, of quality. Think about the time if God created everything in seven days. Oh, think about the glories of heaven and the length of time He has taken to create our eternal home. We don't need to fret over the wickedness of evildoers because it's envious in our hearts just desiring something that we don't deserve at all and aren't going to receive yet. There's a reason behind it. Don't just don't get angry. Don't get angry because it's wrong. You're desiring something that's wrong. Don't get angry. Don't worry. Don't get angry and and worry, not just from verse 1, but from verse 7, where it's born from impatience for prosperity. Kind of piggybacks on that envious nature right there. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way. What we're doing is, when we're getting envious of those people and we're going, Lord, I want it now... We're telling the Lord, Lord, you're doing it wrong. Lord, why don't I already have this? Lord, I deserve this. Why don't you just give it to me now? We're missing what God has and what he's doing. We're missing the point and the purpose of what and why he's doing. We're missing the point that he is Lord over all, not us. Because Let me tell you. What would happen if we all, everybody, everybody on the whole earth got what they want when they wanted it? It would be absolute chaos. Death and destruction would reign upon billions of people. Why? Well, there's some people from certain religions that they believe that they should kill all of us. That don't believe that the way they should you got other people in other places that they believe they have a right to certain parts of land, whether or not whoever's living there or not. It ain't as much got to do with religion as it's got to do with just wanting. That's that's my house. That's my yard. I want it. And then the same thing. When people just want what they want and think they have the right to have that, they will harm and hurt the images of God and take life. Just like that. That's why we do not deserve to sit in the place of God, on the throne of God, and be a judge as He is judge. Wait patiently for Him and what He is bringing about. Ultimately, this produces evil in verse 8. Cease from anger. You see how that, that word anger is showing up there on that fretting? See how it's tied not just to worry? And forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. I have a tough one here. Because I do. I can be a, I can be a hard daddy. Because I'm a realist. It's right or wrong. Straight down the line. And my kids ain't smart enough to catch me yet. It's going to change when they get smart. Hey daddy, but didn't you say? They, they just ain't there yet. It's coming. But I do. I, I, I have a certain line I like to tow. But you know what? I have not made any of my kids any better with my anger. My anger and frustration with their mistakes has not fixed a single one of them. It happened. That's the beauty of looking to the Heavenly Father and seeing how, yep, Lord... If you were angered with us and, and took your anger out on us every instant we deserved it, we wouldn't be here. Your wrath would be poured out and we would be no more. That's why we can be thankful for a patient. Remember we told us to be patient the verse before? It's like, Because I'm patient. I'm patient with all of you. I have love and mercy for you instead of kindling my wrath and bringing about harm. God's sitting there going, why don't you do that? Why don't you follow my example? Listen to what I'm telling you because it's good for you. It's wasteful. It wastes our time to be angry or worrisome because what are we accomplishing? Right? I told you, I, I've started a fight or two with my wife about this. When she can give me a reason... Isn't that a beautiful thing when you have a spouse that can go, man, did I pay that bill? Did I get the taxes filed on time? And she goes, yeah, honey. You remember, you were doing such and such. See, it's not just an empty empty little encouragement of, hey, it'll be okay. But no, she gives you actual information to go, hey, no, you did that. We're good. It's handled. We're all right. It's like, oh, whew, I'm glad you remembered that. They They can... Ease down our worry? Because here's the thing. All that fretting and worrying and anger is being wasteful in that moment until we get the answers of what we're looking for. It's being wasteful when it comes to evildoers because they will reap what they sow. It is not being helpful with our time. In verse 15 it tells us, "...their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken." The Lord is telling you, listen, you don't have to, t- to be the, the instrument of my righteous indignation, my righteous anger. Why? Because we can't be like Jesus. Right? Everybody wants to throw out, well, hey, wasn't Jesus angry? And it, Yes, and he's also a perfect judge. In other words, he knows every intent, every bit of information in the whole story ever so that he knows exactly how to pour out wrath or mercy or grace or however he needs to and deems to be appropriate perfectly. I may know man on a good day I may know 75% of the whole story. That's a good day to get 75% of the whole story. But that other 25% could, could really mess with my judgment of how I would handle something. They say, quit being wasteful because you're not God and you're not the judge. Ultimately, their own wickedness will have their swords pierce their own hearts. They will, as we see in the New Testament, reap what they sow. You don't have to force God's hand. I'm, I'm careful with this one. We're to pray God's word. And in praying God's word, there are times where he, even in the Psalms, there there are prayers of judgment on those who deserve it. Don't run to those too quickly. Be careful of that. Because as often as we may pray for those those prayers of judgment on others, we deserve them probably just as often. And if you pray those prayers in praying God's word, always do it reminding yourself to thank God for his mercy and his grace. Lord I I, I hope I'm not saying this prayer out of anger right now but that it is desiring your perfect and just will and understanding that those people may deserve grace by your desire because it was only by your desire that I received grace so I, I, I can pray for their judgment, but I can also pray that perhaps you would be patient because there's a day coming that they would turn to you in repentance. So be careful of that. Don't be wasteful with your time in thinking you have to bring about judgment on others. It is pointless because they bring judgment upon their own descendants in verse 28. It, don't just, it doesn't just hurt them, but in verse 28 it says, For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. It it, it harkens back to Deuteronomy and God talking about returning to the third and the fourth generation uh, of the sins of the fathers and the grandfathers and we. We just know that he will take care of those things in the appropriate and proper time. And ultimately, all throughout the chapter, it's unnecessary because they will receive that judgment and be cut off. Verse 2, 9, 10, 13, 20, 22, 34, 36, 38. All throughout the entire psalm, he speaks of that judgment. Specifically looking at verse 13. There he says, The Lord laughs at him, for he sees his day is coming. you see that? When we think the appropriate response may be anger and wrath and frustration and to be kindled and burning in our anger against someone, how does it say God handles it? He laughs. He laughs at the silly foolishness of what they think they're getting away with because he sees their day coming. And if we are children of God... And we are in the Word of God. We do not have to be kindled in our anger. We do not have to be stirred up in our worry because we know a day of judgment is coming. Sometimes we have to laugh to keep from crying because that day is coming. You know, I, I told you I, I like stories. I can think back to cartoons where it seemed like every, every little problem Uh, could be solved with a big whack of a hammer. I'm here to tell you, in this world, unless I've run into a nail sticking out, a hammer is not the solution. There's only one problem that a hammer fixes, and that's a nail sticking out. Otherwise, you're liable to bend or warp or ruin something. So we cannot think that our worry and our anger is the end-all, be-all, fix-all. For this world's problems. When all this stuff comes at us, not only are we to not worry because of all of the situations that are happening to the wicked, but quickly we need to understand that we fret not because the righteous are preserved. On the other side of this, the right will dwell in the land in verses 3, 9, 11, 18, 22, 29, 34. It tells us. Listen, they're going to dwell in the land. They're going to have an inheritance. They're going to have a home to be with the Lord. They will be fed and sustained and preserved. 3, 17, 19, 24, 25, 28, 31. It's the only way I can cover the whole psalm. Okay, I don't have time. So just, but go home and read the whole psalm. He tells us, you're going to be fed, you're going to be cared for, you're going to be taken care of. They will be given the desires of their heart. Verse 4 and verse 23. I had to be careful with that. They'll be given the desires of their heart. A lot of times I I saw that as the object side of things of like, okay, so that means if we're we're children of God, if we're people of God, we we get what we want? Look at it more like this. No, when we're people of God, God puts the right wants into our heart. Which is why then He can give us the desires of our heart. It's a beautiful thing. That I can desire rightly. And receive rightly. Because God has given me a new heart. That heart of stone desired the wrong things. And yet a heart of flesh can desire what He would have us to have. They will have right standing before God. Verse 6, 33 and 37. Their seed will be blessed. Their seed will be blessed just like the opposite of what we just saw, right? The descendants that will receive punishment. That third and fourth generation that we talked about in Deuteronomy, if you also look there in Deuteronomy 5, 9, and 10, he goes from just the third and fourth generation receiving uh, of the wicked judgment, then he also said his loving mercy, his, his loving kindness to thousands of generations. No child is saved because their mom and dad were saved. That's not how it works. We're saved by Christ and in Christ. But this is a beautiful thing. And this is what we put our hope in at the children's home. Those kids that come under our roof are given a blessed grace that they probably never had. And and a few of them we know have never had in hearing the gospel. It is an advantage to them. It is a blessing to them to come into a home that would share Christ with them. Whether or not they receive it, whether or not they ever put their faith and trust in it, it's still a blessing. It's still a grace, a generalized grace from God that He would give to them the message of the gospel that they would otherwise have never heard. This is why we can see to thousands of generations what are we seeing? Even today, we're seeing the outpouring of the gospel and the blessings of God's people from a handful of men who would listen to Christ and follow Him. And through that, thousands of generations have been blessed with the gospel. They will have deliverance and salvation. Verse 40. He says there, And the Lord... Shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in Him. Don't fret. Don't be angry. Not because I said so, because God is so good and because He keeps His promises. He accomplishes His Word. He provides deliverance and salvation to all who would trust in Him. Now when he says this, when David says this, this is the beauty of when you get David's writing in the Old Testament. We see David as a king. We see David as a slayer of of giants, right? We see him as as a warrior. We see him as all these things. He was a prophet. When he wrote those Messianic Psalms, There are many that say the wording of how it was written in the original Hebrew was like David was writing it from his own eyes, from his own perspective, like he was the one as he wrote Psalm 22, He said it was like as, as a prophetic prophetic vision, looking down from the cross, saying those words. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? When David talked about deliverance and salvation from the Lord, he saw the Christ. Did it have its purposes in Old Testament times? It absolutely did. It's a beautiful thing to know that David knew who his Savior was. He knew a Messiah was coming. He knew because God had promised to him. Now take a look at 2 Samuel 7. He knew of the promise of an eternal kingdom that was going to come through his seed that God would set up forever. So when he says... He will save us. He will give to us. We can see that from Psalm twenty-two, thirty-one, 31 where it says that He has done this. Speaking of the Christ. Folks, the reason we can fret not, worry not, get all stirred up over all the evils of this world is because Christ has provided a deliverance for us that trust Him. Church, When this world is running around crazy like they're losing their minds, they need to see a rock in the church. They need to see people who are standing firm and fast in the arms of Christ. Does that mean we can never have a bad day? No. We have bad days. I've had plenty of them. But in the midst of the bad day, I always have an answer for the hope that is within me in the midst of my chaos, in the midst of being broken and falling apart, if someone were to come to me and go, well, well, Dwight, why are you even going on? Because of Christ. Because of what I have in Him. It's the only thing that gets me through. It's the only reason I, I want to get up tomorrow. It's the only reason I want to finish today. That's it. Why do I not feel like some people do? Well, i just soon die and go on to heaven. I'm going to get there one day. I'm going I'm to have those feelings from time to time. But the way I look at it is, if I'm still here, the Lord still has a purpose for me here. And I want to be that purpose. I want to serve that purpose. I want to serve my great God when he gives me opportunity. And that's what we need to be as a church whether it's in Caledonia, Mississippi, whether it's in Laurel, Mississippi, whether it's on the other side of the world, no matter where it is, we should desire to serve a God who is good and faithful to see us through. Through good and bad, through crazy and calm, through all these things, we can look to Him that peace and know that he's with us. If there's a soul here this morning you're like I don't have that peace. Trust Christ turn from your sin. Trust Christ turn from your sin that's it I don't, and I don't mean to say that as like an oversimplification of what Christ has done I'm just saying that's the answer. Trust Christ. Turn from your sin. Don't turn to the things that the wicked deem to be the answer. Trust Christ for the preservation of what He has promised. Through His death, through His resurrection, and through His reign, we have all that we need. I love seeing in your your rotation up there... You have Brother Kelby's number, and it says, if you ever have any questions about salvation, ask him. Talk to him. I bet you've got some other men here in this church that would love to sit and talk to you. I bet you've got some women here in this church that could share their stories of Christ with you. If you're looking for that peace today, i got to go home, but I ain't got to be in that big a hurry. If you need Christ, seek him. If you can seek Him, that speaks volumes. Trust Christ. Turn from your sin. Because the wicked will be cut off and the righteous will be preserved. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your words today. I thank You how they can bring peace to all of us. I thank You for how they are a reminder of all things that we need, of everything that faces us, of the temptations to fall aside from your truth, uh, to look for other places of peace in our life. Lord, I pray that we would all leave here today knowing with absolute certainty what we have in you that we have a Savior and a Redeemer and all that we need if we would trust you. If we would let go of the, the physical comforts of this world as that which provides what we need and understand that it only comes through our Creator and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, may your Spirit continue to speak to your people that they would respond to you as they should. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.